Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Hey, good morning. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, for your prayers, for sharing the podcast. Uh, I have a first-time guest we're going to get to in just a minute, an exciting topic today, especially if you love apologetics and defending the faith, being able to answer why we believe what we believe. But first, some good news, second half of the podcast today. Here's some of the stories we're going to tackle. First of all, we'll, we'll kick it off with this one. You remember Coach um, Joe Kennedy. He is back in Bremerton, Washington. He is the famous praying high school football coach. He's back on the field after that Supreme Court win. So he got his job back after I don't know how many years that took, seven years or something like that of litigation, and uh, just because he silently went to midfield after high school football games and prayed, some of his um, players started to join him, and he got in trouble. Anyway, he got, he had to, I don't remember if he resigned or he was suspended. I think he was suspended. But other stories, Texas Tech down south suspended a different head coach after he recited a Bible verse to motivate a player. True story. And unfortunately, the CDC is still at it. Now they're push, pushing a sex shot for kids, supposedly to help HPV infection and a virus that uh, sexually active uh, teenagers, um, as young as 11, it says, 11 and 12 years old. That's the CDC. Um, Rick Warren is back in the news. Um, he says, women pastors is a matter of interpretation. And I'm not sure if that jives with the um, Southern Baptist Association, but we'll talk about that. And where do kids spend most of their screen time today? We've got a breakdown for you. And also, Controversial Transgender Clinic uh, pushed schools to affirm fifth-grade girls identifying as boys. Yes, I know, but we will start it off with some good news. Now, I want to get to our guest. We are very looking forward to talking with Holly Varnum, and she's a speaker and a writer at Reasons for Hope Ministry, and she has written curriculum for ministries such as Focus on the Family, Answers in Genesis. She was editor of the book, Did Jesus Commit Suicide? and 27 Other Questions Teenagers Are Asking About the Bible. She's a former Christian school teacher and charter school administrator, and she speaks at ladies' meetings and banquets and Christian school and charter school conferences and more. Holly Varnum, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you so much, David. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, thanks for your time, and uh, we appreciate you getting up with us and uh, just sharing some of these topics that are near and dear to your heart. And I want to ask you about that and your background. What uh, led you to apologetics, to writing curriculum, to defending the faith, and being so active in as a Christian, former Christian school teacher, administrator? And uh, tell us a little bit about your history. Well, I was saved at the age of four and a half. Older sister actually led me to the Lord. She was all of seven at the time. And 
So I grew up in the church. I grew up learning the books of the Bible, memorizing scripture, learning the Bible. But one of the things that I became starkly aware of as a teenager, a late, late teens, was that I really didn't know why I believed the Bible was the word of God, why I believed Jesus died and rose again. And I'll, I'll be able to share a little personal story about that in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, because of that, I knew I needed to get more uh, teaching. So I went to Bible college right out of high school. And then it was during that time the Lord called me into teaching. So then I transferred to another college and finished my education degree. All of those things that you listed at the beginning are really um, a compilation of experiences the Lord allowed me to have to lead me to where I am today. Mm. I often look at it as um, Moses' journey of 40 years in the wilderness. I had decades of all these different of experience that have really culminated in what I'm called to do and privileged to do for Reasons for Hope. Mm. Well, they are blessed to have you, and I've been uh, just so encouraged by uh, Carl Kirby, having him on, um, Juan Valdez, and uh, just great men of God. Um, Holly, you've got some great teachings or presentations. We're going to get to this one a little later on, Critical Thinking in a Relativistic World. Also, a couple other titles, Teaching with the Brain in Mind. Um, also, What's Your Bent? Personality Matters When It Comes to Learning, uh, Biblical Worldview in Everyday Life. Now, you are going to be in Wisconsin in a few weeks. Tell us about that. I am. I'm going to be at the CHU conference, and I learned that CHU stands for Christian Home Educators of Wisconsin, and they are having their uh, annual conference and I'm going to be privileged to present five sessions. Wow. Um, many of those that you just mentioned there. Um, so I'm hoping if any of your listeners are listening to this and those topics uh, intrigue or encourage them, that they'll come to my sessions and we'll have a great time. Well, I want to encourage people to go to Reasons for Hope. That's R4H.com, uh, R4H, and that's the letter R, F-O-R-H. Dot com to find out more. Um, Holly, by the way, we're, every, every now and then you're cutting out just a little bit. So it, I know it's probably the phone connection, so just, just be aware of that. If I ask you to repeat something, you'll know why. Um, but let's jump into the recent video. Uh, did Jesus, actually the book, I'm sorry, before we get to that, let's go to the book that you edited. Uh, did Jesus commit suicide? And 27 other questions teenagers are asking. Uh, what are the top questions that teenagers are asking, and what what is this? It's very provocative. Did Jesus commit suicide? Tell us about that. <laughs> well, that title has been labeled provocative by many who have seen it, <laughs> and we've also had criticism from believers that think we're actually teaching that. What we are doing, what our speakers do when they speak at camps or retreats or youth meetings, they're passing out three-by-five cards, David, and asking the kids, Write down questions holding you back from becoming a Christian or holding you back in your faith mm-hmm. from being totally sold out to the Lord Jesus. And so we have literally hundreds of questions 
spanked right now. <laughs> but this first this commit suicide and 27 other questions, we picked 28. Those from a biblical perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, a biblical perspective, many of those have extra biblical evidence that supports what we're saying there as well. But some of the top questions, so that first one, did Jesus commit suicide? And the student who asked that question was saying, well, he gave himself to die. Mm. He, he let himself die. So wouldn't that be a sin? And then that would mean he's not sinless. So we get into all of that. Interesting. That question. Um, but it was meant to be kind of a provocative title <laughs> to get people to look at it and, uh, but also to understand. We're not posing these questions. These are questions that real teens in the now, in the today, have. And we need to be there and available to answer those questions. So some of the other questions, why did God create homosexuals and then condemn them? Wow. that's, uh, that, there's, that's Part of the answer is in the question right there, huh? Yes. Um, why is pornography wrong? Um why is abortion wrong if God allows us to choose? So you can see a lot of the social wow. issues yeah. are coming out in their questions. And then when you get into Christianity itself, um, uh, questions like, how could someone, you know, is it possible that Hitler got saved right before he died? That just doesn't seem fair. Um, there's another one. Uh, how do we deal with death? Um, are there contradictions in the Gospels? And the final question of the book is one I think every Christian has probably asked. Why does a good God allow bad things? Yeah, the, the, the famous, if God, why evil question, right? That can, yeah. go, that can go pretty mm-hmm. deep. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one to tackle. Well, um, so these are in the book. We've got the link at standupforthetruth.com in today's blog post. Uh, again, did Jesus commit suicide? And when we say that, we're also actually pointing to the the overall plan of God sending Jesus to be killed. He, yes, he did give himself as a ransom, but he allowed ungodly, immoral men, sinners, to kill him. The Romans, the Italians, the the, the Jews that gave him up. Um, so there's a lot that goes into this, this plan of God. So fascinating um, book, 27 other questions, including that one. So, Holly, um, let's move on now to the recent debunked video. And when did you um, start getting involved with those? Like, Do you, do you have any writing uh, participation in those? Do you write any of these videos or contribute to those? So I do not write the scripts or produce the debunked videos themselves. Those are done by our very talented Bub Coons. But it was the summer of 2021 when Carl Kirby, a gentleman that I met in the early 2000s when my husband worked for Answers in Genesis and I had the privilege to write Demolishing Strongholds curriculum mm. for Answers in Genesis that Carl was a very integral part of. Mm. Well, Carl called me summer of 2021 and told me about mm. this new ministry he had started, uh, Reasons for Hope, and 
asked me if I'd ever seen a debunked video. <laughs> and to my shame at that point in time, I had not. And so I, uh, he goes, I want you to watch a few of these. And he sent me a link. And I'm like, wow, fascinating. I said, there's so much in those, Carl. Um, you'd have to watch them over and over. And he goes, exactly. That's why I'm calling you. I am wondering if you would come work for us and uh, one of your primary roles initially at least would be to write curriculum to help people unpack these very fast uh, unapologetic apologetics videos Mm. Um, and so the Lord worked everything out within the next month Um, so I came on board in September of 2021 and started doing my research. Uh, So we now have Unit 1 of what we're calling our impact curriculum presented by Debunked. Mm. But we start this first unit, it's called Foundations, because just jumping into a Debunked may not set the students up for success. So what we do, we start with building the foundation of teaching them what is apologetics, Mm -hmm. why are they important, who should be an apologist. Um, and then starting to get them comfortable having conversations to build relationships that can then become evangelistic conversations. Mm. Uh, then we get into biblical worldview. What is that? Why is it important? And then uh, finally, critical thinking. Because if you don't have those three prongs in your brain, thinking before you go into a debunk, you're going to miss a lot of Mm. the rich teaching in those. So we establish that foundation first, and then we get into the first unit actually has four different debunked videos, and all the ensuing units will have four debunks that we take two full lessons to unpack, and we also get the students into our Reasons for Hope app which is full of hundreds of resources, yes. just hundreds, it's free. So we're getting them in there to equip them because Reasons for Hope is all about training and equipping uh, the younger generation and our parents uh, to become more bold and standing on So the curriculum, so in answer to your question, that was a long form, I guess. No, that's good. Um, that is my role with the debunked videos. But this recent one that uh, I mentioned to you that I'd love to tap into, at least the theme of it, is it doesn't matter why you believe what you believe. Yes. It's our debunk 22. And I want to encourage all the listeners to download our free app, R-F-O-R-H, and it's the blue asterisk on the black background, and on the debunked. Uh, thumbnail, and you can pick the debunked videos. 22. We now have 23, um, and working on 24. But um, this one throws out all of these sensational statements that people have come to believe. Um, many of them are, in our minds, ridiculous. But then there's one in there that really hit home with me. And it was, did Jesus rise from the dead? Um, And the reason that hit home with me was when I was 17, very involved in my church, 
every month there was a, uh, area wide youth rally that I would go to. Um, I was always, everything I did was centered around my involvement in church or being a Christian. Well, to say that I grew up in a home where my mother was saved when my older sister was shortly after she was born. My dad was not a believer, Hmm. but he had been raised in different denominations, Catholic and Methodist, I think, but he was not a believer. When I was 17, I got home from a youth rally late on a Saturday night. My dad always waited up for me. We had been praying for him for since I could remember. And I walked in the living room to let him know I, I was home. And he looked at me, David, and he said, I got a question for you. And I said, okay. <laughs> he said, I can believe. And some of these things he could believe are kind of unbelievable. <laughs> but he goes, that Jesus was the Son of God. I can believe that Mary was a virgin and that Jesus was born of a virgin. I can believe he died on the cross, but I cannot believe that he came back to life, Hmm. that he was resurrected. And he goes, do you have an answer for me there? (laughs) And David, I could taste metal in my mouth. I'm thinking... My dad is having a faith conversation with me. I have prayed for this. Yes. I have wanted this. Mm. And what he's telling me are half of the barriers to becoming a Christian aren't barriers for him. Mm. But the one that is the crux of Christianity, if Christ be not raised, our faith is vain, and we are of all people most miserable, I could not tell him why I believed in the resurrection. I said, Dad, that is that is one of those areas that you just have to believe what the Bible says and take it by faith. I looked at and I am just ashamed mm. that I got better equipped. And so going back to your original question of how I got into this, that day, wow! God changed my trajectory, praise and God. I praise God mm-hmm. that two weeks before my dad passed away in 2016, he accepted Christ. Wow! But mm. I think, had I been better prepared with an answer, might he have? And I know I don't want to go into the what if, but <laughs> the Lord knows, and yes. the Lord knew the timing, mm-hmm. but it compelled me to become more involved in my faith Mm. and what I believe matters. And so even more important is that I know why I believe what I believe. Mm. Today, I would tell my dad, you know what, Dad? There There were over 500 eyewitnesses to Jesus being alive after he died. Yes. That couldn't be refuted. Roman leaders even admitted the tomb was empty. There are written accounts, the Gospels, that could be confirmed or denied within the lifetimes of those who were reading it for the first time Mm -hmm. because they were alive when it happened. They heard the stories. Dad, the explosion of Christianity that occurred soon after the resurrection, 
there would have been no need if Jesus had died <laughs> and never come back. Yeah. The disciples' faith. Why on earth would anyone be willing to die for something unless they absolutely had no doubt in their mind it was the truth and worth dying for? Amen. Amen. Before he died, they ran away. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And they were fearful. And they were. They just yeah, they were hiding behind right. closed doors. Hey, by the way, we want to direct people, if you're new in the faith and listening to this podcast, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you can read the gospel right there in the first eight verses. And you can, they name names. That's what I love about the Bible, I love about Paul and some of the other writers. They name names. Who Jesus oh, appeared right. to, how many people he appeared to when they appeared. The two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, if you go to Acts chapter 1, um, and and you can get all this information, and there is evidence. This isn't just, it's not just a leap of faith on things that we just mm-hmm. imagine. There is evidence. As you mentioned, the Roman leaders, even the Jews, acknowledged that the tomb was empty because they made up a lie to cover it up. Oh, tell tell them if anyone asks, tell them the disciples stole Jesus' body. And that's how he got him. And, and by the way, Roman guards, they would have been executed if they fell asleep on, on duty. There's so much. So read, friends, 1 Corinthians 15, um, phenomenal chapter, not just on the gospel, but, but the bodily resurrection. But Holly, let's get back to one of the the greatest statements in that debunked video Again, friends, the video is called It Doesn't Matter What, I'm sorry, It Doesn't Matter Why You Believe What You Believe. A great statement. I want you to just elaborate and share some other points from this short, fast paced video. Carl Kirby says, Your what can crumble in a second if you don't have a strong why, even if your what is right. Unpack that for us a little bit, Holly Varnum. That is so amazing you brought that up because that is quote wrote down or highlighted mm. to bring up. That's God. <laughs> um, and I know yeah. it absolutely is. And as a Christian, I shared, you know, my upbringing, I had never doubted my salvation. I never doubted the Bible was true. And I give the Holy Spirit credit for that. Mm. But um, I had a lot of friends that didn't have that resolute faith that I had. And shortly after high school, walked away from the faith. And that's what we're seeing with the youth today. Our Gen Zers, ages 18 to 29, there have been multiple studies done, and the percentages range from, you know, 60-something percent to 80-something percent that are leaving the church once they're out of the home. Um. And I was looking up, okay, why? Why are they leaving the church? Interesting. The number one reason in a PRRI study, which is Public Religion Research Institute, that the number one reason youth were leaving the church was they stopped believing in the, quote, religion's teachings. Hmm. Well, why would you stop believing if you didn't have an assurance that what you believed had solid, concrete evidence that it was the truth, there would be no compelling reason for Mm. you to stick around for that. So not being taught why they should believe what they believe, 
not just being told, this is what the Bible says, or this is what I'm teaching you, just take it by faith. They need more than that. Mm-hmm. And and that is really the big message in this debunked video. Um, the bottom line being, we need to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for the reason of the hope that is First Peter 3.15. Um, Titus 1 9 commands, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And then Colossians 4 5 and 6 says, walk wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And that's the crux of apologetics, um, being able to give a reason for our faith because we know the why mm-hmm. behind the what that we believe. Amen. Amen. Um, Holly, I just want to mention the YouTube channel, Reasons for Hope. They can check out all the videos. And by the way, we're talking about a, a great one, but the more, more recent one is called Science Disproves God debunked <laughs> that is debunked <laughs> in in 4 minutes or less or, or 3 minutes um what other point cuz i think that the one that we were talking about debunked 22 is is so pivotal holly and i know you believe that as well because when i was growing up um i was kind of i guess going through the motions in somewhat of a faith or religion that i believed um growing up and and i just would say if someone asked me why i would just say well because i that's the way i was brought up and uh, the Bible teaches that. And that's mm-hmm. what the Bible says. And I couldn't explain anything beyond that. So share any other right. points from this a short a debunked video that you'd like before we wrap it up. As I shared a little earlier, the Gen Z stats, you know, we can get really discouraged about that. But I also look, I'm a, I'm a glass half full person. If you <laughs> ask me, I'm like, okay, that's the bad news. What's the good news? So as I dug deeper, um, one of the things, and I work a lot with Gen Z population in my church, and when I'm able to be out and about when I'm not writing, but um, they believe that their generation can make a positive impact, and they want to in- address injustice. Mm. And that injustice falls in all areas that Christ is the solution for. These uh, young people crave connection. They want and need to be seen, and they want, above all, to be told the truth. So we're living in a culture where truth is up to the uh, individual. Yeah. You know, your truth and my truth. They're not buying it. Mm. They really are not. Mm. They Through the whole COVID thing, I encountered many students that would point out the discrepancies and what they were seeing and what they were hearing. And they're like, it doesn't seem that uh, I was working in a school system when COVID started, and I would have kids say, Mrs. Farnham, why is it all of a sudden that at 3 o'clock we can take off our mask and go play football and we won't get COVID? But from 8 to 3, we'll get COVID if we don't have a mask on. I mean, they were saying things like this, and these were unsaved kids that were mm. talking to me. Um, the I 
see it over and over and over that one of the things that we as adults can do is not just model a biblical worldview, but teach our own children Amen. what it means to filter everything through God's Word, because that's where the truth is that they are seeking. Um, and the sad, sad statistics, uh, Carl just wrote a blog that I posted this past week on investing um, in the next generation, and he ran across a study where only 41% of senior pastors 28% of assistant pastors, 13% of teaching pastors, and 12% of youth pastors actually have a biblical worldview. That's awful. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> They're the it's ones just, that are supposedly just, teaching us the Word of God. Hey, right. Holly, we've got to wrap it up, but I just want to let people know oh. I went to the App Store, and it took me a whole 15 seconds to download the Reasons for Hope app. That's our F-O-R-H. We didn't get to um, talk about your presentation, Critical Thinking in a Relativistic World. Tell us again where you will be in Wisconsin and when you'll be talking about that. So it's going to be located at the Wisconsin Dells, and it's the CHU conference, the uh, Christian Home Educators of Wisconsin conference on March 30th and 31st. And if you are a homeschool family, please, please come sign up for that. I'm uh, presenting five sessions and critical thinking is one of those. And I'm so excited because I get to tap into Dr. Juan Valdez's book, How to Think. Awesome. Oh, how exciting. So Christian Home Educators of Wisconsin. The date again, Holly? March 30th March, and 31st. March 30 and 31st. Thank you so much, Holly Varnum, Reasons for Hope. God bless you and keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. Well, praying high school football coach is back on the field after the Supreme Court win, and he successfully took his religious liberty fight uh, to the courts after he lost his job for praying on the 50-yard line after high school football games voluntarily. And uh, he's back after seven years. That's right. So the Supreme Court ruled last year that Bremerton School District had violated Coach Joe Kennedy's First Amendment rights this is good news, friends. Um, this is really good news that he's back on the job that he loved, and that is coaching young men and leading them. Um, he said, we are thrilled that Bremerton and Coach Kennedy are back together. Uh, we hope they go undefeated. That is actually the general counsel for First Liberty Institute, which represented, represented uh, Coach Kennedy. If you remember, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three for the public high school coach who was put on leave after he had the audacity to get in the habit of praying at midfield after a high school football game. You know, if I, if I just said that to my great grandparents, or even, even my grandparents, they would say, what do you mean he prayed and they punished him? What do you mean by that? I think our great grandparents, now in my case, that would go back to the 1940s and 50s, um, they would not fathom in America that someone would be punished for praying publicly 
And he was even praying silently, from what I understand. And then his players joined him, and they said a very benign prayer. But he, it was voluntary, and that just ruffled the feathers of some in the state of Washington. So uh, this is good. He is back. There's still some hope for court cases that will rule in favor of the Constitution. And this one came out on the right side of religious freedom. Um, the Constitution and the best of our traditions counsel mutual respect and tolerance, not censorship and suppression for religious and non-religious views alike. That was the majority. So the district said in a statement to the Washington Times that it'll potentially be paying one point, what was it? This is this, yes, it's one, almost 1.8 million in legal fees over the court battle. So Washington, State residents, there's where your taxpayer dollars are going. Um, almost 1.8 million, 1.775. Um, and the amount is set to be reviewed at a public meeting this month. So they're going to pay out all that money in legal fees for doing something against a Christian football coach, Joe Kennedy. So again, if you just missed the very beginning of this, he is back coaching, and he's got his job back after seven years and after lots of litigation and lots of, um, well, criticism by the legacy media, mainstream Democrat, one-party media, and even local media. So that's good news. Now, the next story we have, Texas Tech suspended a, a coach after he recited a Bible verse to motivate a player. Now, this is in conservative West Texas. Um, it was their men's basketball coach because a player complained that the coach shared a Bible verse with him and that was considered racially insensitive by the school. I, okay, so now the Bible is racist, I guess. Uh, so Coach Mark Adams said he was trying to encourage one of the players and was talking to him about being coachable. He noted that it was a conversation just between himself and the player. So a private conversation. <laughs> and he said that in the Bible, Jesus talks about how we all have bosses, that we are all servants. And I was quoting the Bible, he said. Um, he explained his behavior. Um, Adams continued saying he explained his behavior but did not apologize for quoting the Scripture. One of my coaches said it bothered the player. I explained to them I didn't apologize. And according to the Federalist, Texas Tech athletic director uh, made the decision to suspend Adams Sunday. So according to the university, his comments were inappropriate, unaccept unacceptable, and racially insensitive. The school took Adams' conversation with the student about everyone having a boss and focused on a slave master narrative saying Adams encouraged the student to be more receptive to coaching and referenced Bible verses. Anyway, Texas Tech. This is just another one of those situations where, okay, you bring in the Bible, you explain the biblical principle, they take it out of context. They're offended. Out of context, I mean, they're offended. So we'll keep up on that. That's over at the Gateway Pundit. And let's go to, where's that? Here we go, the, the kids' statistics. 
Um, just under two years ago, the Parents Television Council officially changed its name to Parents Television and Media Council. And that's significant because of the way our youth consume and engage with entertainment. Um, some of us call it amusement, and I think someone came out with a book, We Are Amusing Ourselves to Death. But anyway, for those 35 and older, like most of you <laughs> and I, nearly half of our screen time is still spent watching television. Um, but for our children or grandchildren in America aged 13 up to age 24, only about 17% of their screen time is spent watching television. Now, you'd think, okay, that's good news. Only 17% of their time watching the programming, the godless, anti-Christian, and anything goes, LGBTQ and everything else, programming of primetime television. But, so where are kids spending their screen time if only 17% is television? Well, there are answers, thanks to the uh, Parents Television and Media Council. 22% of their time is spent gaming. Now, this is according to their own responses to these surveys. Again, the age range is 13 years old to 24. That's almost a quarter of their time spent gaming, entertainment, amusement in the United States of entertainment. 21% of their time is spent watching online videos, YouTube and whatever, Instagram and chat fest, whatever it is. I know there's a chat something. <laughs> All right. Don't write me on that. And there's 15%. I don't, I think this is really low balling. 15% on social media. Come on. I don't know where they're getting that. I think it's quite a bit higher, but. The point is, if we are truly committed to protecting children from media harm, we're not doing a great job, are we, as cultural influencers, as parents, as teachers, as Christians. So we need to be more active in these areas where children are spending most of their time. Um, and this, a lot of this has to do with the widespread adoption of smartphones and social media, and we understand a majority of parents do say they may be making excuses. Some are not. But it is probably true that parenting is harder today than it was 20 or 30 years ago. It is because of the Internet, because of iPhones. So you've got a responsibility to lay down some discipline. I was going to say lay down the law, but some people don't like that wording. Lay down the law in your own home. Um, you can love your kids and tell them, ah, no, manage your time better. Let's put that iPhone in the drawer or whatever you have to do. I mean, I know there are a lot of good uh, resources out there for how to manage your children's time better. But this is, again, this is the age range 13 to 24 years old. Again, um, well, let's go from high to low. 22% of their time is spent gaming. 21%, almost the same, is spent on videos online like YouTube. Um, 17% of their time is spent watching television, and 15% is spent on social media. Again, I think that's a little off um, from what I've read in other studies. It's much higher on social media. But that's a good portion of 
a child's life in a single 24-hour day, isn't it? And this brings us back to the very important concept of hours of influence. Hours of influence. How much time do you spend, if you still have young children, talking with your kids about things that matter, the biblical worldview, who they are in Christ, truth, true history that has not been edited and scrubbed from um, public education and, and textbook publishers out of the books that they're learning in school. So how much time do you spend talking about them at the breakfast table maybe when you're not talking about food and whatever else? I'm, I'm guessing 20 minutes. Then they're in a rush getting ready if they are going out to school. Then what about lunchtime? They, they're probably, if they're at, especially if they're in public schools, they're at school. And so you have them back at home, what time? 3.30, 4 o'clock. That's if they don't have any extracurricular activity, after school activity, a sports, uh, a sport or some sort of meeting or activity they have with their friends, their peers. So their peers, most of them unbelievers and non-Christian, they are influencing your children during the day away from the home, away from you. The curriculum the teacher, depending on what way they lean when it comes to this hypersexualized education curriculum, uh, the LGBTQ indoctrination in the schools, the radical changes in history, and we could go on and on. So they are away from the parents. Again, hours of influence. They're back at home. Let's say just say 4 o'clock. Worst case scenario, they're back at home just barely in time for dinner. So what kind of conversation do you have at breakfast? What kind of conversation and things do you talk about at dinner? And do you have any time scheduled with your kids after dinner before they are allowed to watch TV, go on social media? And they got to get their homework in there somewhere, right, at night? So you only have a few hours after dinner. So do you understand this? The time is very limited. The media landscape is constantly changing and it's the rate of this change is accelerating. So we've been behind the curve. So I don't know what all the answers are. I'm saying I don't know the answer to how to be more proactive in protecting these precious little ones. But I know you, young moms, and especially homeschool moms, you've got it down. You, you, you understand. That's why you're homeschooling in the first place. Hours of influence. Hours of influence. Again, you can go to the PTC or, and now it's called Parents Television and Media Council. Parents Television and Media Council. Now this disturbing article over that, the Washington Times. This is one of our guests on Stand Up for the Truth, Cheryl Chumley. Great writer. She just had a trip to Israel. I want to get her back on and talk about that. But CDC is now pushing sex shots for kids. That's her title. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's featured topic on the front of its website recently was HPV infection. HPV is a common virus that can cause cancers later in life. If you click on Learn More, uh, and it's learned that while the human virus is spread through, I'm I'm, I'm not going to, it's too graphic for what I want to report on Stand Up for the Truth, but it's the different kinds and different ways of having sex, how it spread, this virus, the CDC is recommending 
this vaccine for children as young as 11 and 12. Why? Because they're going to be sexually active anyway. Well, that's what they believe. You know that. Now, maybe your kids are not, but most kids are. So it's a sex shot for kids, a vaccine, HPV. It's just what the doctor ordered, and that's what the CDC is recommending. So the left has been busy for decades sexualizing these young children. And it only makes sense, Cheryl Chumley writes, that the medical bureaucrats working within a leftist-dominated administration would advance this sexualization with a heavy focus on clearing the way for kids to continue in this lifestyle. Have safer sex. And now whenever you hear that, my friend, put air quotes around safe sex or safer sex. Put air quotes around it. What's the safest sex? And that that would be abstinence, (laughs) right? But how many schools teach abstinence in their sex, quote, education? Air quotes again. Do they teach abstinence? You tell me. Comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Safe sex. Oh, my goodness. I'm just thinking of this agenda by Planned Parenthood. They're raking in the dough. I'm talking, I know we've said this on this podcast. I'm saying this again, repeating it for our newer listeners or just now people catching up. They're new to the game here of truth and understanding. This is really going on. No, it has been going on for 50 years. At least 40 years. Let's just put it that way. Planned Parenthood, they get the kids sexualized by putting out what many of us would consider pornography under the guise of education, right? Health or, quote, sex education in public schools through online videos, teaching them how to, for example, put on a condom. This is what your children are learning, friends. I mean, I know some of you don't like hearing that language, but but we're adults. And kids are hearing this, and much worse, much worse in the public schools. Every kind of sexual expression and method possible, children are learning about. They're hearing about it. They're learning. If they're not learning about it in from a teacher or in the curriculum of, of sex education or health, air quotes, around health, they're learning it from their friends. So Planned Parenthood does this, and, you know, kids, they want to encourage sexual promiscuity, what we would consider sexual experimentation. Let's experiment. Well, what could go wrong? Sexually transmitted diseases. So Planned Parenthood offers testing services. And in those cases where a young boy and girl, let's just say the young girl gets pregnant, Planned Parenthood comes in to save the day, we'll take care of it for you. What do they mean? Well, we'll help you murder your child. We'll take care of it for you. We'll, we'll, we'll save you that embarrassment, of that inconvenience. So you can continue on your lifestyle and do whatever you want to do in your life. You don't have to worry about the consequences. Sorry, guys. That's one of the, uh, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know I'm very passionate about that topic. Let's move on to the next one, though, that you have to understand the agenda behind this. And kids, you know, they're taking in all this information. They are being bombarded. So, yes, I'm sorry, but it it is much harder today to be a parent of a Christian child in our culture and in 
the government school system. It is very hard. And you throw in Hollywood, you throw in social media, throw in the Democrat Party and what they're pushing, you throw in what they're pushing now in the moral relativism category, and that would be the transgender. There is no God, there is no creator, there is no such thing as just male and female, there's no binary. This next article over the Washington Stand, transgender clinic pushed schools to affirm fifth grade girls identifying as boys. Now, this is from a few weeks ago, but nonetheless, to a lot of you, it's a, it's a new story. A pediatric transgender clinic, you heard that right, is under multiple investigations for harming teenagers and potentially defrauding taxpayers. It has announced it will continue carrying out services, even as emails show clinic employees advising a local school to affirm an entire group of fifth-grade girls who identified as transgender. The latest controversy engulfing the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital came up at Parkway Schools. It asked how it should handle an entire group of 10 to 11-year-old girls who suddenly described themselves as transgender. The short story is that one of the students in the fifth grade class is coming out as transgender she told several several of her friends and now several of them want to say hey yeah let's 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 join in this is how influential this is kids want to be cool they want to go along with what they think is popular and they want to hey if my friend's doing it let's go let's jump on the bandwagon that's how you remember when you were in high school you wanted to be liked you wanted to go along with something cool even if your conscience or your gut told you it was wrong, even if your parents said no, that's wrong, even if, if somehow the Bible says it's a sin, doesn't matter. Peer pressure. They, they call it pressure for a reason. But let's go back to the adults in the room now. Quote, we don't want to discourage them if this is the case, but we are also suspecting there could be other reasons they are doing this. So, R-O-G-D, now there's all these kind of acronyms and letters for this, rapid Onset gender dysphoria can be initiated, magnified, spread, and maintained via the mechanisms of social and peer contagion. This is according to a 2018 study. But the gender clinic employee told the school that this language isn't affirming and asserted without proof that the studies underlying this social contagion are invalid. At the same time, the official admitted, quote, I have seen this happen with mental health diagnoses. So the gender clinic recommended the elementary school. Did you hear that? Elementary school provide, quote, as much support and discussion as possible around their gender exploration, end quote. Experimentation, exploration, Yep, because of a few pre-teens. What's pre-teen? 10, 11, 12, who may be going forward with a gender transition procedure. (sighs) Quote, if in a few weeks or months a student wants to go by their legal name and pronouns that match their sex assigned at birth, no harm was really done in affirming them before. So there's more to this, a lot more to this. The advice sounds like treatment. I'm sorry, the advice sounds less like treatment and more like indoctrination. And I agree with Senator Josh Hawley, 
who launched an investigation into the St. Louis-based clinic, as did Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. So Josh Hawley is one of those I, I am behind 100%. He's a Christian, unapologetic, and he is one that's trying... He launched an investigation into this gender-affirming clinic. And did I read that correctly, that it is a... That's right. It's it's. They're reaching... It's a pediatric transgender clinic. Wow. Holly said this, it, even a fraction of the whistleblower's new allegations, if corroborated, the center should be immediately shut down. If even a fraction of these allegations are proved true, he said, the, the center should be shut down. So we'll see what happens in that case. I'm glad there are some people that are on top of it, raising awareness. Again, you want to follow the work of Chris Rufo, uh, Christopher Rufo. Um, he's exposing a lot of this. Now, it's gosh, it's only a couple minutes left. I will not be able to get into this next article on um, over at AFN.net, AFN American Family Network, Women Pastors as a Matter of Interpretation, Rick Warren says. Um, wow. So I love... Alex McFarland, he's been on this podcast. We've got to have him back soon. But he said that Rick Warren knows the verses he claims uh, justify women serving as pastors are not about overseeing congregations. That's what Alex McFarland says. A Saddleback Church in Southern California was recently kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention, the SBC, because it ordains women and puts them behind the pulpit, which is contrary to Scripture as the... Baptist faith and message, um, citing 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 14, among other Bible passages, the Baptist faith and message states, quote, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the official, I'm sorry, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. So in a meeting last month, the SBC Executive Committee ruled that six churches were no longer in friendly cooperation with the, the denomination, and that list included Saddleback Church, which ordained three women when founder Rick Warren was pastor and named a woman as a teaching pastor after Warren retired. So in response, Warren sat down for an interview with Russell Moore to talk about why he thinks the SBC is wrong, and he cited the Great Commission which men and women are called to fulfill. And Warren says that includes teaching. Anyway, what could go wrong? But I love Alex McFarland. Um, Truth for a new generation, TNG. McFarland says women and men both share the gospel, but Rick Warren gives out passages that say nothing about pastoring of a local church. Anyway, wish we had more time to get into that one. Maybe we'll ask... Doreen Virtue Thursday, what she has to say about that. Can't wait to talk with her. We will be talking about The Chosen, uh, Jesus Revolution, Jesus Calling, and um, Asbury Revival. Some, so many other topics with Doreen Virtue. Um, Friday, Jay Siegert, The Starting Point Project. He's back with us. And tomorrow you will hear Pete Garcia. Um, guys, thanks again for listening and for sharing the podcast. I can't emphasize the sharing part enough because we are a censored and shadow band on our end. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>